Hello everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This week we're talking to Chris Connolly from repeat performer Cockshore. They're performing Saturday night, September 26th at Metro, along with Human Traffic, High Functioning Flesh, Rorschach Test, Severed Heads, Papa Lead Itself, and Frontline Assembly. Head to coldwaves.net for the full two-day lineup, and check out previous episodes if you're not caught up to hear from seven of those bands. We're going to start things off with a track off their upcoming album, Corporate Sting, coming out this Friday, August 21st. This is Severance Package.
You've been a part of Cold Waves uh, since the very beginning. I think you're yeah. one of you're one of the only artists to perform every year. So tell me about what the festival means to you. Well, we started Cold Waves. It kind of started uh, in memory of Jamie Duffy, and you know it didn't have a name when we started it. But the summer he died, you know, pretty soon after he died, it felt appropriate that you know there should be some kind of musical tribute. We all know him through music. And, you know, I had been working with Jamie fairly recently. So it made sense that uh, I would be involved. And I've known Jamie since he was a kid. Uh, well, you know, since he was in his late teens. It was a loss that affected so many people because not only was he a musician, but he was, you know, he was a sound engineer. He, he, was, he was just someone who was there all the time. So, you know, I think Cold Waves, for me, operate in the way it should do. It makes me think about him, and uh, I think it's a good thing to do. It's a good cause, and it keeps him in people's consciousness. So let's start off with the first two years where you're performing as Cox members doing the songs of the Revolting Cox. So, so you had previously done the Wax Tracks retrospective show, but yeah. did, did it feel for you, like, for these shows that, that it was more like like a tribute to the kind of music that Jamie loved, or did you feel like this was something that you were going to continue? You know, this this vein of music. Uh, no, it didn't feel like something we were going to continue. I mean, the the Cox as an entity, you know, it it didn't exist uh, until the retrospectacle. To me, it was just like here's something fun for us and for a crowd that we can do that might yield a lot of ticket sales and generate a lot of good. I mean, ticket sales in terms of generating money for the charity, not for the band. Right. We don't make any money at that. You know, and after the first retrospectacle gig, we sort of bandied about the idea of kickstarting the band again, but that's not going to happen. It wasn't really going to happen, and it's never going to happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking... I was not looking at the revolting cox as a potential career path, and neither was anyone else in the band, really. But it's something that was possible for us to do. And all the stuff and try and get as many people excited as possible, rather than me playing a crappy acoustic gig or something like that. You know, let's, let's try and do something that people want. <laughs> right. But Cockshore is sort of like the spiritual successor. So how did you form that with Jason? After we had 
played a couple of times with the revolting cocks, I realized there were two sort of feelings I had. The first feeling was that material, the old material, was okay to do once every few years, but, you know, the idea of doing, like a lot of bands get back together and play their, their hits or play a classic album or something like that, and it didn't appeal to me. Playing the old songs doesn't appeal to me. However, I did realize that there was a lot of ideas and sort of thread that we were following in the cocks when we were the band, like before we split up in like 1993 or whatever it was. There was a lot of things that I wanted to continue. There was a lot of potential there. There was a lot of, uh, I mean, I think basically, I think, you know, for me as a lyricist, it's, it's a really fun thing to do. A couple of decades have passed and I think that uh, my own personal skills have been honed because I do it a lot. And I wanted to try writing material like that again. And I also think that Sound and Jason's in agreement with me that Sound could do with uh, a bit of a, an update, sort of using the sort of some of the ideas from the classic formula and using newer sounds. I mean, why not? You know, it, it's completely viable. There's been a lot of water under the bridge. There's been a lot of sort of electronic music that's come and gone. And... Uh, a lot of stuff to me has stood the test of time and I still enjoy listening to it. However, there's more contemporary records that are coming out that I'm not saying they're influenced by what we did, but they kind of remind me of it in a way. And, you know, I thought, why not? You put out the 12-inch TKO Mindfuck on Wax Tracks, which was their first release in over 15 years. So given your history with Wax Tracks, what, what did that mean to you to be able to put it out on that label? Oh, that was fantastic. You know, I really, um, Julia Nash is Nash's daughter and uh, she kickstarted the label with her husband, Mark. And, you know, they're family to me. And um, it was really nice, you know, and they were only doing it to put out a product that looked and sounded good and honored the name Wax Tracks and honored the name of her father. And he would have been so thrilled if, if Jim Nash had been alive to see something like that. You know, and it was a 12-inch single. It was it was not like a lifelong commitment. It was just a one-off 12-inch. And uh, there was a lot of quality control in place from them and from us. And so I think we made it really, really look and sound great.
So one of my favorite tracks on TV MALSV is I Don't Eat Meat Bitch, which I think is pretty funny because Jason is a huge meat lover. So was there any grief? <laughs> was there any grief over that? Or is that more of a you do your thing and I do my thing kind of mentality? I suppose so. I mean, you know, I'm the lyricist and uh, I don't eat meat and uh, I'm a pretty strict, hardcore vegetarian the, the the actual phrase "I don't eat meat, bitch" came from uh, a TV show, and uh, where one of the principal characters said that, and I just thought the way he delivered the line was so brilliant. I wanted to write a song about it, and I wanted to do something that was uh, pro what I believed in, uh, yet not make it in any way sentimental. I wanted to make it hot, uh, like you know, like the way Crass would do it. But yeah, I didn't really think either way about uh, whether Jason was a vegetarian or not. <laughs> My lyrics. <laughs> right. So uh, I really enjoyed the, the Dillinger cover on the last album, and it looks like the new one is going to have a Severed Heads cover. So where do those um, inspirations come from? The, the Dillinger cover goes quite deep for me because, you know, in a, in a way it was, I suppose, a reminder an eye-opener for a lot of fans of industrial rock. A lot of that sound, and this is, this, is, this is something that I come up against when I see an audience of ours. A lot of the sound that makes what the cocks were comes from reggae. And people just look at me and say, no, it doesn't. And I was like, well, I was actually there. It was, my, it was the band I was in, and I know where the influence came from. And I know the people that... Um, Alan Paul and Bill worked with when a lot of that early stuff was recorded were reggae musicians. And this was in London. And we're talking about Adrian Sherwood production. We're talking about Tatch Head, Keith LeBlanc. They all played on a bunch of reggae, reggae albums. Paul and Bill and Al all played on a bunch of uh, mid-80s reggae albums uh, under pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of the sounds are the same sound. They are, they, I mean, I'm not talking about recreating the same band. They are the same samples that were used in a bunch of reggae albums. So to me, when I first got involved with the Cox, you know, uh, I, I'm a huge reggae band, and that was one of the things that attracted me to it, was that it, it had that vibe to it. Uh, Cocaine in My Brain, I thought, was uh, just rude enough to fit right in with uh, the aesthetic of the older thing called. And it's a great song. You know, I really love that song. I always have done. So you just released the new soul album, Decibels from the Heart. You also have your Silence of the Silent Age project. And then you had your, your audiobook version of your autobiography, Concrete, Bulletproof, Invisible, and Fried. You're very busy and, and you, uh, you throw out a wide net. You know, you, you hit a lot of different areas in your work. Yeah, I do. Um... I mean, there's not there's not a specific reason for that. It's just the way I am as a person. You know, I like to set myself challenges and things like. Um, I don't personally see it as really white net in terms of what I do creatively. I only do things like this because I kind of feel like I have to, and uh, the creative process for me is sort of the only thing that keeps me feeling like a whole unbroken circle. Like if I didn't do it, I'd probably go nuts. And I have to get up really early in the morning to do it. And um, but if I didn't do it, I I I've always done it. But in terms of the 
the way my work is varied, I, I just think, well, why wouldn't you want to do that? And plus, it's always to do with working with other people, which I really enjoy, where they're going um, musically, and do I want to join them? And a lot of the time for me, collaboration is, if someone asks me to collaborate in something, and it's not always good, believe me, but I'm always like, what if, you know, what if I don't do this? What if something really amazing happens? And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't.
Along with Severance Package, you heard Adoni Me Bitch and Assault on Cockshore 13. The new album, Corporate Sting, is available Friday, August 21st from Metropolis Records. Cockshore can be found at cockshorenoise.com. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes to keep up with new episodes coming every Wednesday over the next few weeks. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumen Nation. Next week, we talk to Greg Vaughn and Susan Subtract from High Functioning Flesh. Each week, our closing segment is dedicated to Jamie Duffy. Here's Chris Connolly with a few Jamie memories. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember once uh, on a pig based tour where he had been up all night and he was in the back lounge of the bus blasting music. I got up and read him the right act about shutting the fuck up. <laughs> he was really shocked that I did that. And I remember when, way back in the early 90s when I was working on the Shipwreck record that he was uh, an intern at Chicago Track. And Bill, our drummer, Bill Reeflin, was kind of especially mean to Jamie. He was 18. <laughs> and I always uh, kind of had helped look out for him. Because, uh, you know, Bill can be, uh, Bill can be brusque, Bill can be short with people. Um, and Jamie was really young. 